Well, good morning again, church family. It's so wonderful to be able to worship with you this morning. Um, it's wonderful to be able to have modern technology, even though we were delayed a little bit. It's still incredible to think about the fact that we get to keep on worshiping through live stream like this, and we stay connected through this opportunity. It's a lovely morning. It's been a great morning. We've had a wonderful early morning worship service, and it's been a great time to get together. But I'll be honest with you, um, I've had a really rough week. It's been a tough one. Um, I know, I, I really don't know why, I'm not really affected by celebrity deaths typically, I mean, any more than I would any other death that is a sad and tragic death. But for some reason, Chadwick Boseman's death um, actually affected me. Um, it was, I mean, obviously any person dying is sad at that young age, but his in particular kind of hit me hard. I also heard about this phenomenon that's happening on TikTok that's um, actually currently happening, it's absolutely wrecking me. Some parents are playing these pranks on their children. They're showing them a picture or a video of, of, of their, say this is their new teacher for the school year, and it's a picture of a, of a woman with some form of physical deformity, and they're recording their children and their horrified and scared reactions, and they think it's hilarious, and putting it on TikTok. And it's breaking my heart thinking that, how could we as a culture, how, how do these parents think that it's okay to use actual women's pictures these are actual women. There's actually the women came forward later on, on social media and said, these are my pictures that they're using to scare their kids. And we see such bullying. And what are we teaching our children? It's breaking my heart. We had another shooting of an African-American man by the police. My heart is breaking again. It's breaking for my brothers and sisters who feel hurt, oppressed, abandoned, alone. I look out at our political landscape and I see such division and hatred and vitriol and partisan thinking. It feels like people care more about party than they do about what's good and what's right. And I look around and I see the church in America and I, I just don't see unity. I see a church divided. I see Christians acting worse than the world and my heart hurts. And I'm stuck in this situation where I don't know what to do. And I'm crying out to God saying, God, your church is divided. God, this is, just doesn't seem right. God, what can we do? And there are hurt people. There's vicious anger. What is happening? There are people who don't seem to understand each other, not willing to empathize with each other. There's people fighting tooth and nails over the petty and most little things. And I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm hurt. I'm thinking, God, what's the answer? And I think the answer is the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to profess and believe in the third person of the Trinity. We need to ask the third person of the Trinity for the blessings that Christ has earned and given to us so that we see the blessings coming and unity upon us. Guys, can I just be real with you? This was not the original beginning of my sermon that I prepared earlier this week. This happened yesterday and this morning. I'm just going to be honest with you. Actually, my original introduction to the sermon was a lot more lighthearted. It wasn't so deep and so kind of depressing. I was going to compare the Holy Spirit to the way we look at our weird uncle. Like, I was going to say, like, we look at the Holy Spirit kind of like the way we look at our, our weird uncle that we've heard a lot about, maybe talk about, but don't really know that well. He may pop up in conversation here and there. He may give gifts that some consider cool and others consider weird. And you're like, who is that weird uncle? Um, Holy Spirit? Well, some people talk about him, but most of the time we kind of ignore him in most family gatherings. But instead of going that route today, I just wanted to bear my heart out to you. My people, we need to cry out as a church body and say, God, we need a holy Catholic church. We need a commune as saints. We need the Holy Spirit. Do you know who the Holy Spirit is? 
Because part of the reason is we're diving into the Apostles' Creed. We were diving into the Apostles' Creed for the past three weeks, and we want you to know the foundational doctrines that unified the church for, over, for about 2,000 years. And the Apostles' Creed can help us understand who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit is working. The way the creed is structured is very, very important. J.I. Packer points out, from the creating work of the Father and the rescue work of the Son, the creed turns to the recreating work of the Spirit. So the creed isn't just giving us one line. It's not just saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit, then moving on. Literally, it's show, instead of showing us with the closing lines of the creed that the work at the end of the creed is done by the Holy Spirit. We are in the Spirit age, and we need the work of the Spirit. And the first thing that the Apostles' Creed confirms is that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Cornelius Venema points out that any study of the Creed's teaching of the Holy Spirit must begin by emphasizing that the Creed confesses the Holy Spirit to be one of the three persons of the Trinity. The divinity of the Holy Spirit is evident from the divine attributes that he shares with the Father. So I want to understand foundationally, fundamentally, guys, that we understand the Holy Spirit is not just the add-on. It's not just the, another piece. It's, it's literally one God. And Holy Spirit is just as important, just as important to focus on as God the Father creator and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Do you get that, people? Because here's the deal. He's not our weird uncle that we kind of occasionally mention. He's God himself. So I want us to get to know the Holy Spirit better. And so how would you do that? Just like you would get to know anyone better, you often start off with their attributes. So I, like somebody's, hey, that person so-and-so is tall and funny and smart, whatever that may be. If I was introducing you, maybe, uh, hey, meet my friend Nathan. Or, or maybe if I was setting you up on a blind date with somebody, I'd be like, hey, this person is this and this and this. And you list their attributes to them. So here's some of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. And some text where you can find them. First of all, one, the Holy Spirit is eternal. Hebrews 9.14 says, says that Christ, through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God. See, I want you to understand these attributes are so important. The first, the first attribute I want you to get, Holy, Holy Spirit is eternal. Two, the Holy Spirit is everywhere present. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. Psalm 139.7 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Three, the Holy Spirit knows all things. This is stated in 1 Corinthians 2.10. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The spirit knows. He's omniscient. He's everywhere. I'm the presence. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows all things, even the deepest things of God, because he is God. And four, the spirit is holy. Romans 1.4 says that Christ... Uh, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And who through the spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit is holy. Thus the name Holy Spirit. Otherwise he'd just be spirit. See? He's the Holy Spirit. And these are the attributes. The attributes are that he's eternal. He's everywhere. He's all-knowing. He, he's holy. Guys, are these not the exact attributes we would give to God the Father and God the Son? We need to understand that he is one of the Trinity. They're one God together. Now these attributes of the Holy Spirit, here are some of the things that he does. So when you describe somebody, once again, you're like, here are the attributes. He's tall, he's funny, whatever. But then you say, oh, but he plays basketball. Or he likes to read. Or he, he's a computer programmer. Whatever it may be, you would give also the things that that person does. So those are the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Now here is what the Holy Spirit does. This Holy Spirit has a key role in the redemption of God's people. 
It is the spirit who brings life. When Nicodemus came to see Jesus, he was given an interesting answer when asked how he could see the kingdom of God. You guys remember what Jesus said? He said, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so the key phrase is that he must be born of the spirit. Do you understand? It is the spirit that brings forth redemption. It is the spirit that quickens our heart. It is the spirit that leads to this process whereby a heart can then say, I believe in Jesus Christ. It is the spirit that does the work that says, takes your heart of stone and changes it and transforms it and gives you a new one. The old phrase, the old, old religious leaders of the past would use is, it is the spirit that quickens the heart. The Holy Spirit also brings about holiness or sanctification in the lives of God's people. The Spirit is actively purifying us and making us more like Christ. It is the Spirit that is making us more like Jesus. It is the Spirit that is molding us. It is the Spirit that gives us the power and the energy and the desire to say, I want to look more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. It is the Spirit that is enabling us. Otherwise, our worldly nature, our sinful nature, is prone to chaos. It's prone to disorder. It is the Spirit that compels us to order. As the Spirit does bring about that renewal, something also happens, something crazy. The Spirit also helps us fight against sin. See, I want you to understand that the Spirit is also that voice, that thing that says to you, the, the, the Spirit is the one that empowers you to say, no, I choose not to fall into the old ways of life. I choose not to ch- the, the ways of the world. I choose instead the ways of God. And it also produces fruit in our lives. Galatians 5 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The Spirit brings about adoption. You have received the Spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, says Romans 8.15. And there are two elements. The first, the believers are able to call God their Father because of the indwelling of the Spirit. But the second, the Spirit assures us that we are children of God. Here's the deal when it comes to adoption. Uh, and, and we have a family of our church, Nathan and Sandra, in that process. And they know how hard it is, the paperwork that needs to happen. And they make you question who you even are. I mean, they are you, we get a background check. And they ask you where you've lived. And they want proof that you've lived there. They want all these letters. And it's just crazy. You get to the point where me and Gina were like, when we were adopting Hudson, we are like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Am I really Lawrence? I don't know. You start questioning it, but it is the Father, it is the Spirit that not only provides your adoption, that secures the paperwork, that gets it all done, but it's also the stamp upon it that says, this child is yours. You are now a child of God because of the work of the Holy Spirit. He secures your adoption, he makes your adoption happen, and then he's a stamp of approval upon your adoption. He's that certificate that you receive. The Holy Spirit is also the guarantee of everything that we receive in Christ. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says that. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Do you get that? When you were adopted, when you were brought in, you were then said, Holy Spirit, in you. Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. He is inside of you. And that is your security. That is your deposit. God said, uh-huh, I'm going to buy that. He's mine. I'm going to redeem him. He's completely mine. I've already laid down the deposit for it. He is secure. She is secure. You are belonging to God. There's nothing that can take you away from him. The Holy Spirit exists here and there's no power in this earth that can kick the Holy Spirit out of you. Do you hear that? The Holy Spirit is also a comforting presence as Christ's people experience trials. 
John 16, 1 through 15, John, Jesus warns his disciples that they should expect persecution. But as they face it, they will not be on their own. Jesus will send the Holy Spirit to dwell in the hearts of his disciples. Guys, this world is hard, but you're not alone. He is the comfort. He is the one that reminds you you're adopted, you're known, you're loved. He's the one that brings forth spiritual songs out of your heart. He's the one that brings forth scriptures that you need. He comforts you. He says, you're not alone in this. I'm with you. He's your comforting presence. He also convicts the world of its sin. He is the source of conviction. He reminds you, he says, hey, that's not the way you're made to be. That's not the child you are. You're called to more, you're called to better. You don't need to walk in that way. He's also the guide that tells you the way to go and the ways of truth. He's the one that gives gifts to God's people so that we may serve God in the church and the world. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He's the one that gives us gifts so that we can walk in power together as a church body. Uniquely giving each person uniquely their gifts. And finally, he's the very power by which we preach the gospel to the world. It's not by our strength or our programs that this church will be built, but only through the power of the Spirit of God. J.I. Packer says this, when there are the signs that Christ's self-effacing spirit is at, what are then are the signs of Christ's self-effacing spirit is at work? Not mystical raptures, nor visions and supposed revelations, nor even healings, tongues, and apparent miracles. For Satan, playing on our psychosomatic complexities and our fallenness, can produce all these things. The only sure signs that the Christ of the Bible is acknowledged, trusted, loved for his grace, and served for his glory, and that believers actually turn from sin to life of holiness that is Christ's image in his people. In other words, what Paul, what J.I. Packer is saying here is that what's a sure sign that the Spirit is at work? It's not necessarily miraculous gifts and healings and all this other stuff. They could be, but those could also be done by Satan for wrong reasons. The only sure sign is that Jesus Christ is acknowledged, trusted, and loved for his grace and served for his glory, and that the believers actually turn from sin to life of holiness in Christ's image. I love that. And I know I went over that really fast, but do you see the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does? To run it down really quickly for you, the Holy Spirit is eternal, everywhere, all-knowing, and holy. And the Holy Spirit initiates redemption, sanctifies us, renews us, brings adoption for us, seals us, comforts us, convicts us, guides us, gifts us, and empowers us. That's who the Holy Spirit is. So when I say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, that is what we profess. I begin to see now why we need the Holy Spirit. The Apostles' Creed closes up affirming the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And you guys remember, this list comes under the heading of, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So this is what the Holy Spirit age ushers in for us as believers. The Holy Spirit calls enables us to be one Holy Catholic Church. Now, Catholic here doesn't mean Roman Catholic, right? How many of you guys thought that's what it meant, right? I'll be honest with you, my whole life, that's what I thought it meant. I was confused. I was like, why are we, I thought I'd go to a Protestant church. Why are we saying Catholic? And they'd be like, shh, just say it. Don't worry about it. 
But no, what Catholic literally means, means worldwide, means universal. It doesn't mean necessarily the Pope and all that stuff. It means the worldwide. So what we're saying is we believe in the church universal or the church worldwide. It means that we're part of something bigger. Matthew Henry once said, when we take God for our God, we take his people for our people. And Augustine put it even more for it. He said this awesome. He says this, he cannot have God for his father who refuses the church for his mother. I'll say that again. He cannot have God for his father who refuses to have a church for his mother. And I love that. Because what Augustine, what Henry is saying is that as a believer, you've adopted in. You come into something bigger than just you. You're coming into the church eternal. And you cannot have God as a father if you're not willing to accept his bride, which is the church. The church is the vehicle that the Lord Jesus Christ has established for discipleship and witness in this world. And let me tell you that the local church and universal church are an essential part of being a follower of Jesus. It's, I'm going to say that again. Essential part of being a follower of Jesus. My people, it's so important for you to be aware that Christianity was never meant to be a solitary religion. Your spiritual maturity and growth is a group project. And you are part of the universal church of God as a follower of Jesus. Do you get what that means? That means that you're connected in a deeply and profound and spiritual way to the believer in Sri Lanka. That means you're brothers and sisters with the persecuted Christians in North Korea. It means that you're part of a, a greater story and mission than you realize. You're an essential gear, an incredibly large and powerful machine that is changing the world. You are needed. You are connected, connected in such a profound way. I'm going to show you my nerddom here and quote you, tell you something from a movie that I saw recently. But my nerddom shows because the movie was it's called All Star Superman, and it's an animated movie, but it was awesome. And in this movie, Lex Luthor somehow had developed the powers of Superman. And as he's looking around, he starts seeing like, oh my gosh, I see it now. This is the way you see it, Superman. I see it like all the energy and the light, and it, it, it's all connected. Everything is connected. We're all connected to each other. And it was just like this like almost profound philosophical moment in this awesome animated movie. But there's something about that. There's something about human and philosophical and kind of new ages that we want to be connected to each other. I had a professor in seminary, he's an awesome guy, Charles McKenzie, and he, uh, recently just, he passed away not that long ago, but he was a retired, um, he was actually a seminary president, he was a, head of, a former head of um, philosophy at Princeton, just an amazing man, but he was in his retirement, he would teach at RTS every once in a while in Orlando. And he would sit there and he'd start his story off with, um, <clears throat> you know, back when I was a young professor at Princeton and um, I was having a conversation with Albert Einstein. And anytime that you can start a conversation by I was sitting there with Albert Einstein, it was just really awesome. And so he said, he goes, Al and I, and that's what, he actually didn't say Al, I'm just saying that he said Al. But Al and I were having a conversation and Al was going on how exciting it was that he was discovering this theory of relativity and talking about how everything was connected. And Dr. McKenzie said, well, that was when I took the opportunity to say, oh, the Christians believe in that already. We believe that we're created in the image of God and we're connected because of that. And then we also believe that followers of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit already unites us and we are just connected. And I was like, cool. You just said that to Albert Einstein. <laughs> That's what it is, though, guys. You get that. There is a profound search in our day and age, in our culture and philosophies to be connected. But we already have that reality in the Holy Spirit. We are connected. 
You're not alone in this world. You are connected. That believer in Sri Lanka, you're connected in a profound and real way. That believer in North Korea, in Afghanistan, and across the street, you are connected in a real and profound way by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that crazy? But you're also called to the local church. And we often say the big church. We say the big C for church universal, and we say the little C for the church local. And it is God's main instrument in your discipleship and in advancing his kingdom. The Holy Spirit is calling us to be part of both church universal and church local. The Holy Spirit is a very amazing how we can be connected to both. If you've been attending Waypoint, if you've been here for a little while, you've heard me over and over again state that I believe that the church's two primary functions is to be the coming attraction of the kingdom of God and the very means of that kingdom's advancement. We're to resemble and show the kingdom of heaven that by the way we give grace, care for one another, live in diversity, worship together, and so much more. This showing of the kingdom should cause people to want to see it so desperately. With the, the, the way they see us loving each other and forgiving each other and being different people together, coming together in unity and caring for each other, they need to be like, is that real? And they need to want it to be real. They, we need to live in such a manner that can say, is that what the kingdom of heaven's like? Then please, please, please let that be real. It should cause a longing for that, for that type of reality to actually exist and be possible. But my people, what breaks my heart is I feel like most of our churches in America oftentimes show the opposite. I had so many conversations with people who tell me how they've been burned by the church. I've read article after article about how the church has hurt people, and this breaks my heart. And this is not a condemnation on the church. The church is filled with flawed, sinful people because we're not a country club of saints. We're more of a hospital of sinners. We're more of a, a mission of broken pieces that God's putting together to make something beautiful. But what's the answer? The answer, again, is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit brings about unity in the church. The Holy Spirit brings forth the communion of saints. We need to be walking in the power of the Spirit and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And how does one know if they're walking in the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Great question, Lawrence. By looking at the fruit. Jesus said to judge a tree by its fruit. So if you guys see an apple growing on a tree, what kind of tree is it? Apple tree. You guys are so smart. So you can see fruits of the Spirit growing from your actions, then you're going to be led by the Spirit. What was those fruits again? Galatians 5, 22 through 24. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Where the Holy Spirit is at work, you'll see fruit produced. Gifts without fruit doesn't make sense. Gifts lead to fruit. So imagine a church universal walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, producing love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What would that be like? Churches gathering to instill good change. Churches working together to help the poor, the orphaned, and the widowed. How amazing would that be? If we walked in the fruit of the Spirit, that this is what defines us. When people look at the church, that's what they see. Patience and joy and love and self-control and kindness and gentleness. How amazing would that be? Now some of you might say, that's some naive, unrealistic thinking, Lawrence. I mean, sure, if we all agreed on everything, then we can see that, right? But the problem is, Lawrence, we don't all agree. I mean, the church is divided on most things. That's why we have denominations. 
right? So if we all agree, then well, sure, we can all live and say kumbaya and all that kind of stuff. But Lawrence, we just often disagree. And when you disagree, it leads to fighting. And it doesn't lead to this. Guys, can I tell you, just because we disagree doesn't mean we can't still be walking in the power and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I mean by that. I had no dear Christian man that I respect deeply. He's so passionate about unborn children. He sincerely believes in his heart that to vote Democrat is a heinous sin. I know a dear Christian woman whom I respect immensely. She's so passionate about the plight of the refugee and foreigner. She sincerely believes in her heart that to vote Republican is a heinous sin. Those are both in our church right now. What do we do with these issues? How can we live in unity if we disagree? We let the Holy Spirit do the work that it's called to do in our midst. We ask the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does. Here's what I mean. The Holy Spirit unites us and knits us together. Not people who are the same and think the same, but people who are different and who think differently. Guys, I want you to understand that he does this because in our differences, we accomplish the most good. What good is it if we have people who are raised the same, believe the same, think the same, and do everything the same, agreeing in unity? Well, duh. But they only accomplish one thing. But if we have people who are raised differently, think differently, culturally different, racially different, ethnically different, different strengths, different focuses, different agendas, then when they come together in unity, great things become accomplished. What I mean by that is my wife and I are so different in so many different ways. I mean, like, we literally almost every way. She's, like, opposite of me in every way, personality, kind of everything we can think of. But what God does with our strengths and differences that are so different, he makes us more powerful together. The Holy Spirit binds us first with the seal of adoption. He says, okay, you guys are all different, all different, but here's what you have in common. You're adopted child of God. Our first true identity, our first most important identifying factor is that we are a sinner in need of grace. And then we become children of a most high God. We are adopted. That's who we are. We're sinners in need of grace. And he came and our first identifying factor more than our background, more than our race, more than ethnicity, more than our job, more than our socioeconomic status is that we are sinners in need of grace and he rescued and he adopted us. A believer and a follower of Jesus Christ is who we are. Not a political party, a cause, or an agenda. And then his seal over us gives us assurance and a status before God. We are adopted. We are beloved children. And then the Holy Spirit brings us together then. After that first identity, as he seals us into his family, he brings us together as a body of Christ. And the Spirit lifts our affections and our minds to Jesus, our head. The Holy Spirit unites us all as a body using our separate gifts and talents and minds to better suit the part we're called to play. Here's what I mean by that, guys. As a body, we need to take care of one another. We need to esteem each other. We need to lift each other up the way we would our own body. I'm not going to look at my foot and say, I don't care about your foot. I don't need you. No, I, I like my foot. I need my foot. But here's the thing. As parts of the body, we may see the world differently, but we can still live under the instruction of the Holy Spirit and be at peace and unity with each other. What I mean by that is the foot can think, okay, I'm a foot. And I think the most important thing in the world to me right now is shoes. And that could be very true for that foot. Shoes are the most important thing. But then the foot can look at the hand and the hand can be like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The most important thing in the world to me right now is gloves. I need gloves. And which can be also be very true. It's okay that they disagree. Each one may be right in their own timing. But they're under the authority of the brain and the heart, which for us is Christ and the Holy Spirit. 
Do you get that? It's okay that the hand thinks gloves are most important because from the perspective of the hand, gloves are so important. It's okay for the foot to think shoes are so important because from the perspective of the foot, shoes are most important. But it should all fall under the authority and the headship of Christ and the Spirit. Do you guys get that? So disagreeing with our political party, brother and sister can get along and share the fruit of the Spirit because they fundamentally know who they are and that they may be called to different roles at different times, but they are all under the headship of Jesus Christ. When this type of spirit-filledness happens, man, the church gives off a certain aroma. I've often heard phrases like spirit-filled thrown around. Most commonly, it would refer to outwardly emotional or spontaneous worship services or worship times, which, by the way, I enjoy immensely. But I believe a truly biblical understanding of Spirit-filled would look like a church walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Truly Spirit-filled means a church body walking in love, in joy, in peace, in forbearance. For those of you who don't know what forbearance is, like patience with each other. True patience. In other words, not just true patience, not just be like, oh, I'll live with you, but more like, I want to bear it with you. Kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's an aroma. There's something about that. It just smells so delightful. When I was a kid, my parents never told me things that were coming up. Never told me about things that were coming up. Like, they wouldn't tell me in advance if we were going on a trip somewhere, probably because I would bug them every day about it. Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? So they just intentionally never told me. They never told me when my relatives were coming in, because probably because every day I'd be like, when are they coming? When are they coming? When are they coming? So they would never tell me, but I would always know if my grandmother was in town as soon as I opened the door to my house. Because as soon as I opened the door to my house, I would smell Codbeachin. And oh man, that would smell so good. I'd smell some Korean food. Oh, because that's what my grandmother does. The second she comes home, I don't care what she's been, she's been traveling, doesn't matter. My grandmother goes straight into the kitchen and there is food just out of nowhere. Like, I don't even know we had our groceries for all that stuff, but there is food and it's delicious and it fills up the whole house with this incredible aroma, this incredible smell. And I can even smell it now. I'm like, mmm, smells. And if, every time I smell like some good Korean food, I think about my gra- grandmother. It reminds me of her. There's a distinct odor to it. Guys, my people... May the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our midst be so evident to the people around us. They can be like, oh, I see that. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what it has to be. Oh, man, they're different. They're politically different. But they're worshiping together and they love each other and they care for each other and they respect each other. Oh, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're different races. They're different ethnic backgrounds. He grew up in what country? And you're here? And what? You guys look different. He makes a lot more money than that person. That person does that. But you guys are together and you guys are in love. You love each other and you serve together. And you... I don't, I, That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit moves so profoundly in our midst that we become united in our differences joyful in our circumstances, patient in our suffering, kind to our enemies, gentle to each other, peaceful in a turbulent world, and show self-control with our tongues and our typing. We need you, Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, can we thank you for all, can we thank you that the threefold trinity is our God? Can we praise you God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God, thank you that 
You seal us, Holy Spirit, by your work. You quicken our hearts to you that you call us into adoption. You bestow the work of Christ upon us. God, you move in such a powerful way and you bring unity to us. Holy Spirit, will you come in our midst? Holy Spirit, will you move in our church? We need you. We need you to unify our hearts. We need you to bring our differences under the lordship and headship of Jesus Christ. We need you to move in the church. Will you move in us now? May we, be, may we show fruit of your movement. May we see the fruit of your spirit be evident in all that we do. God, may the church be different in this place. May it be, may it be the, a, a place where it shows the world the goodness of the kingdom. And may they long for it. May they see the kingdom come on earth as it is heaven. Holy Spirit, will you move? Holy Spirit, will you move in us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.